to Real Estate Coaching Radio, America's number one trusted resource for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Starring award-winning real estate coaches Tim and Julie Harris. Get ready for unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what is truly working to get you into action and make you money in this new real estate boom. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. We're joined today by Holly Signorelli, CPA. Holly's been a CPA and financial advisor since the mid-1990s. She's worked with thousands of entrepreneurs with a particular expertise in real estate. Last year, she sold her firm and joined forces with Ensemble Financial in New York for wealth management. She now spends most of her time doing media-related projects, including her upcoming show, Money with the Twist of Sublime, and speaking engagements to help individuals and business owners live a truly balanced life. Holly is also the author of the book, Do You Know Where Your Money Is?, released in 2015, along with her other online products. Now, let's welcome Holly to the call as we join our host, Tim Harris. So, Holly, thank you, first of all, for being my co-host today, and also thank you for sending me a copy of your, your book. One of the things I like best about your book, I should say, is that it wasn't long, and it was it was yes. chock full of really valuable It's because you're talking about tax stuff and money stuff, and those books are usually, oh, my God, so boring. But yours was great. It was concise. It was to yes. the point. So listen, it's on Amazon, right? Yes, that's correct. Cool. So listeners, yeah. I definitely suggest you go to Amazon and get her book, Do You Know Where Your Money Is? Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I feel the same way. You know, everybody's kind of ADD, you know, metaphorically nowadays because we have all this social media and we're all just flowing and going in different directions. So I know for me, it's very rare that I read a long book. I just want the information. And I'm a video person, so I wrote the book like I was just talking to somebody, just like I would in real life because that's what people want, like cut to the chase, right? Right, exactly. And the timing of this uh, today's podcast, I think, is great because obviously this month is the tax month, right? And so That's let's, right. you and I, <laughs> we talked a little bit before the show. We were talking about the fact that we didn't want to go and talk about tax returns and all the rest of it because, you know, as you said, taxes and whatnot is a very personal thing. It really has to do with people's individual situations. But one of the things we really focus on um, as part of our company is certainly part of this radio show is we focus on wealth management or more specifically building wealth, helping these guys to be rich, rich being where your money works for you and you no longer have to work for your money. And that's also a huge passion of yours. Um, So let's, let's just, let's just deep dive into that. So, you know, you know, our audience, you deal a lot with real estate folks. What would be some of the low hanging fruit ways that agents maybe overlook? We can talk about saving money on taxes if you'd like, or we can just talk about wealth building. Whatever comes to mind with that probably overly general question, have at it. (laughs) It's an interesting subject because the reason I wrote the book to begin with was after the whole 2008 nightmare, I saw that people with all types of businesses, they really started making money again. I mean, hundreds of thousands of dollars net on their tax return. And people went through what I call a spending starvation. Because think about a diet. You go on a diet, you starve yourself, what happens? You pig out. So it's the same thing with money. So for several years there, with all that going on with the economy, people felt like they, they, they felt insecure. They felt that they had no hope, you know, it's a, it was, especially with real estate. So then when people started making money, they would blow through 
every dime of it. And people would end up spending hundreds of thousands of dollars and owing taxes and having debt after they doubled or even tripled their income. So I looked at this. I saw this so many times, and I saw people in major financial binds that were 100% preventable. And I realized that everybody because of so many ups and downs in our economy in the last 20 years in particular, do not have a sense of security. So so the insecurity feature is, okay, I've got some money. I better buy everything I need right now because I don't know when I'm going to have money again. Because if you knew that you were going to have an extra 10000 every month or 100000 whatever your income level is, you would not blow through your money because you would know that more was coming. So when you don't believe more is coming because of the past, that's when you start overspending and you end up in credit card debt. You know what? That is such a cool point. I'm going to remember that. I'm going to think about that. Because, you know, that that psychology that you just kind of talked about, that manifests itself in many different ways, not just in money. So that's a really cool point. Yes. I appreciate that. So so let's yes, talk yes. a little bit more about and, and you're right, and I and we definitely have seen that in the real in the real estate industry because there were certainly a lot of agents that had huge financial problems because they were overexposed in the real estate uh, market themselves. You know, a lot of just tragic things happened around the country for agents that were uh, once the top of the industry. You know, just things we don't need to talk about on the radio show just because they were not financially prepared. You know, it's, right. you're bringing me back. To, you're bringing me back to a Boy Scout thing, right? Uh, prepare for the worst, but hope for the best. And, and right. that, that's kind of true. That, that's kind of a good mantra when it comes to dealing with and, and thinking about finances. Would you agree? Absolutely. And I, but I also do believe that I really believe where we pay attention. You know, a lot of people talk about the law of attraction, but it's true. So whatever you want to call it, whatever, wherever your mind is, is where you're going to go. So if you do believe that you can always make money in a good or bad market, because I can tell you, I've worked with so many realtors and also people that invest in different types of, you know, rehabs and flipping properties and rental properties, like where they have tons of them. There's always a way to make money. You just have to be able to flip your thinking. So you can't get stuck onto one road and then, you know, the real estate market always goes up and down. So if you're in real estate, you know it's going to happen. So you need to set the money aside for those times. So those two points, your first point and your second point tie together perfectly, right? So a lot of agents probably don't manage their money correctly and overspend uh, during the, you know, the, the good times because they don't anticipate they're going to last forever. And then when the economy changes, which you know, arguably it might change later this year, then they're going to be in a situation where basically they're broke and maybe they have too much fixed expense and they can't maintain that. Whereas if they have yes. the mindset, and it's really important that you just said this, Holly, that guys, and this is so true, you, you can make money regardless regardless of what direction house values are going. You know, you, you're not just going to make money when the market's like it is now. You can make money when the market is headed down. Matter of fact, a lot of our longtime listeners and coaching clients, you guys made a fortune during the down market because you were smart to get to the distressed sales before the rest of the market did. So yes. please remember what Holly said. Don't be so dependent on um, the mindset that you can only make money. That That's like a that's like a scarcity mindset, right, where you believe you're it only going to make and what, money. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. What you believe is what's going to happen. It really is. Like, again, whether you are a spiritual person or a logical person or a scientific person, it's the same end result. Yep. Totally cool. Yeah. So what are some of the biggest mistakes you see real estate folks making? 
Um, okay, it, a lot of it has to do again when the, the market is great because it, it's just it's like the stock market. You know, people want to buy high and sell low, and in real estate, people don't think that. But I see a lot of people, and this is relevant to realtors. But I see a lot of clients. You know, people that are entrepreneurs love to do real estate. So a lot of times, I'm assuming that these realtors out here are working with a lot of entrepreneurs that are wanting to do this on the side because they always feel like, hey, I'm very successful. I'm making a lot of money on my business. I can rule the world. I'm going to go do. I'm going to go flip a property. And and a lot of times those entrepreneurs are only they only have one property, right? So they're not diverse. And they almost always buy in a high market and then they try to rehab something that's not even needing a rehab. They don't know um, the that you only have to do a certain amount of rehab to flip a property. So if you're a realtor and, and you want to work with entrepreneurs, they really need your help if, you know, for the most part because I can say a large percentage of people that do real estate rehab on the side ends up being the biggest nightmare they've ever had in a good market or a bad one. For sure, especially if they have hard money loans against it especially mm-hmm. if, yeah, they timed the market wrong. And you know what, a classic mistake, and you just you were touching on this, is they over-improve the properties, and they never can get the money out because the market, that, yeah, I mean, that's, you're right. That's something that's really, so, I okay, I understand that part with regards to investing. Let's talk a little bit about, like, uh, fundamental stuff. We like to keep things practical on our radio show, and one of the things that people in general, not just real estate folks, have a hard time uh, really understanding the mechanics of is something that all of us, we're supposed to have learned when we were kids with our little pink, uh, you know, pigs, our little piggy banks. How can um, physically, mentally, emotionally, how do how do people learn to save? Agents, just to set this up a little bit better, Holly. Agents typically, as you know, will save when they have the big closing. Right? They won't save right. as a habit. They'll save during when there's some big liquidity event. Hopefully, there is a big liquidity event. But other than that, they don't save, thus leading to the boom and bust cycles, not just in their businesses, but in their personal lives as well. So how does someone develop the discipline of being a saver? Well, and in my experience, before I answer that, they actually, when they are, when things are booming and you're getting these big chunks of change, you really do get this feeling of euphoria that it's going to never end. And a lot of people do want to flip their own money back into the real estate. So um, I understand when people are setting up LLCs that, that financing can be more expensive in an LLC, but putting your own money into these kind of real estate deals, it creates a stress that you're not even aware of. It's like a black cloud over your head because you're watching your bank account be depleted. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like you're financing it with your own money and then things take longer than you think. And you, as you watch your bank account deplete, even though you're going to sell the property and get it back, it is a subliminal feeling of lack and the scarcity that you said earlier so you know the interest rates are so low to me it's always best to get a loan even if you have to have some money down you know it's just again it gets people stressed out and it actually affects the rest of your day and the other things that you're doing because you're feeling that way what's your philosophy on debt um there's a lot of, uh, you know, back and forth in the mor- – and, and not just – I was about to ask you about mortgage debt, but there's a lot of, you know, 
conversations back and forth about should I have a mortgage, shouldn't I have a mortgage. And and you don't have to agree with what I'm just going to say. Matter of fact, it will make for a better radio show if you don't. Um, <laughs> but my, my philosophy is if you have a mortgage, pay it off, even with rates as low as they are, because that locks you in to a guaranteed return that you otherwise would have paid in interest. So it's kind of a no-brainer. And, and if the lean times do come, uh, you will then not necessarily need as much cash to meet your financial obligations every month, and the money you do earn can go towards reinvesting. Uh, agree or don't agree? It's going to be somewhere in the middle because I've seen people have loans, and then when things go longer and longer, because uh, most of it in the first few years, obviously, is interest, then it's not like it's going against the principal. And then, and a lot of people do not take that into consideration. They go to sell the property, and if something's gone on for two years, which sometimes does, especially when people over-rehab things, they are not even, yeah, you get to deduct the interest, but then you're only getting whatever tax rate you're in. You've, you've lost a lot more money or you haven't made as much as you, you could. But I still think that if you're really, really savvy and you usually can flip properties in a reasonable amount of time to get some a partial loan, at least 50%. And I just, it depends on how much money you have, because if you don't have a lot of money in the bank and if you don't feel secure in your retirement plan, you should not put all your money in into um, you know a mortgage um, or replacing the mortgage because it again you do, there is always something that could go wrong and I don't mean that in a negative way because I'm kind of the eternal optimist but you just don't know what's going to happen and when you tie your money up too much it's too stressful and then you might not have money down on something else incredible that comes along at the same time. So we were doing an event, a uh, live event, this was a number of years ago, with uh, Danielle Kennedy, who was the gal that wrote all the financial accounting stuff for the Rich Dad, Poor Dad books. And mm-hmm. I, told her how much money we, I told her how much money we were paying in taxes that particular year. Uh, and she kind of laughed at us, which, you know, was kind of, you know, not, I was kind of surprised by that. And then she said one thing to me. She said, you guys need to buy more rental properties. <laughs> that's, that's what she said. I thought that was kind of telling, right? So let's talk yeah. about rentals because rental properties are uh, the low-hanging fruit for most real estate agents who are our primary audience. So with rental properties, what's your thinking on like? I mean, what is your what's your thinking on that from a financial perspective? Is there any real downside? Any mistakes that agents classically make when trying to build their rental portfolios? Uh, the only thing I would say that I've seen people be hugely successful having a lot of properties that are. Um, a little bit lower income, not in that like a Section 8 really, but, you know, like in the 100000 range or the 75000 range. I've seen some people get some pretty big portfolios. They're getting a, oftentimes paid cash, and they it's just not a lot of, um, you know, they have some repairs and maintenance and stuff, but I've seen people have, you know, 40 properties like that, and then if one of them there's some kind of a problem, you've got 40 of them. And, and it, as it averages out, the more that you have, I've seen those people be very, very successful cash flow-wise, not just for the long-term gain when you sell it, but actually making money every month. Where like in a typical house, it's like 200000 If there's a mortgage and tax and some repairs and stuff involved, it, people pretty much kind of break even or get a small profit. Or, and they're usually looking for a loss, but now you know the IRS has changed the rules on that uh, big time. 
but if for realtors, it's still good because as long as you are actively in a realtor, then you can take those losses. But that's like one of the biggest targets for audits right now for for the realtors out there for your clients you know you don't need to give them tax laws but if, if they're going into it for a write-off there's about a 99 percent chance they can't write a real estate um a rental off you guys can as realtors only because you're actively well, involved in so you're talking about, and I, I forget the tax code, and you and I are not giving professional advice, so if there's any wannabe attorneys that are listening right now, well, we're just giving you a disclaimer. <laughs> we're just giving you generalized information. But what is that? Yeah. So yeah, you're talking about one of the most powerful uh, ways for real estate uh, professionals, and that's really what it's called, to save money in taxes. And it's, uh, what, do you remember what that code's called? I don't remember off the top of my head. No, but I'll look it up while we're talking. Um it, yeah, but it's, I'll blather you know, on. You have to I'll be. Blather on, yeah. yeah. It's a time <laughs> thing. I mean, that, I'll, I'll blather on about it while you're googling it, right? So, so uh, listeners, this is how it works. It's basically called. And, and here's the funny thing. I'll tell folks about this, and they'll say, "Oh yeah, my accountant's doing that." And I'll go, "No, he's not. I guarantee you, he's not. He doesn't know about it because uh, he's not giving you the full credit for it." So, a normal Joe and Josephine, when they buy a property, they can um, depreciate it and they can write off some of their expense associated with managing it, okay? Not bad. If you're a real estate professional and you have to qualify by the, by the amount of time that you put into being a real estate professional, negotiating contracts, looking at properties, previewing properties, doing all the things that would dictate that this is not just a passive function, that you're actually looking at it as a job, then you get to write off the interest on the mortgage. Uh, I think that's the only ad. You'll have to correct me, Holly, if I'm not right about that. But you, if you do have a loan... You get to write off a lot more, and it does, uh, you know, obviously create a lot more opportunities for you to save money on taxes. Did I state that correctly? Yes, yes, absolutely. And i got to tell you again, it is the biggest audit risk nowadays, but I'm not afraid of audits. I had several of them and won every one of them, and the client didn't even have to be involved because, if you you know, you just got to keep records. Like, I don't care if you do it in your phone or even if you're doing it manually, just keep records of everywhere you go and everything that you do and when you're scouting properties, all of those things are included. In fact, I had from the IRS that was – accidentally left in my office during an audit. <laughs> so if I can get my hands on that, I'll send it to you. But it gives you an idea of where they're coming from on an audit. But don't be afraid of an audit if you are actively involved and you're a realtor and you're, you know, keeping track of all the stuff, the miles and everything that you're doing, you're not going to have a problem. So no need to be worried about it. But if you're not actively involved in the property, you can't write it off. And he's right. There's a ton of – it's like an algebraic equation. When you change one thing, it changes another thing. So you should absolutely consult your CPA before you buy or sell a property. That's what I tell my clients. Don't do anything. Talk to me first. It might be a 10-minute conversation to keep you from having to pay tax on any of it. What's that tax code? Did you find it? Uh, no, no. I got sidetracked talking to you. <laughs> I was looking for the exact code. We'll find okay. It All right. So we'll we'll find one of us will find that. So write this down, listeners, when we get to it. And write it down and ask your CPA. And I would say, from personal experience, nine times out of ten, um, your CPA is not 
uh, using that particular tax code, which does give you additional uh, write-off ability. They're only treating you like a normal civilian who has a rental property, not a real estate professional, which 99% of you will qualify for. The determining factor, if I remember correctly, I'm not a professional tax advisor or anything like that, so don't hold me accountable to it, is the amount of time that you're committing to the profession of being a professional real estate investor um, every year. So, And you do have to keep logs on it and all the rest of it, but it's not that difficult to do. Um, and the other thing is, if I understand correctly, if you have no loans on your properties, then there's no, there's no added benefit to you claiming that because the added benefit is mostly on the interest side of the equation. So moving on, um, rental properties as a long-term investment re- retirement strategy. Some people still think or some people believe that uh, that's not as good as, say, investing in the stock market. What's your feeling on that? Uh, no, I, I disagree with that. Um, you, you know, everything appreciates over time, and some things appreciate more than other things, but I've had tons and tons of clients have long-term rental properties. And, again, you want something that's profitable every month, even if it's not a huge profit. You don't want to be losing money, okay? So it's not about the loss, people. It's about making money and paying the least amount of tax possible by taking advantage of the tax laws. So, you know, when you lose money, that's not what the plan is, right? So people get caught up in that kind of thing. So I just want to remind everybody of that. But long term, your uh, property is going to be paid by someone else every month. And then when you go to sell, you get a big chunk of change and you don't have to pay the max tax brackets. So to not bore everybody to death, I think most people know part of this. When you have a real uh, a rental property, you are depreciating it every year and you're getting a write-off. Okay? So the IRS give us and they take us away. So when you go to sell, it's called a recapture. This is why we don't want to get too much into this, this subject. But you need to know that if you have a real estate property and you're taking deductions every year, when you go to sell it, there's going to be a back-end tax that you have to pay. That's really all you need to know because it's way too technical. But it's still not a big tax and you still end up with most of the money. So you should absolutely do that. I think it's section 469, is that correct? Did you find it uh, yet? You're controlling, no, I was... Uh, IRS code 469, that doesn't actually sound right. I'm going to keep researching it. So let's talk, yeah. let's talk a little bit more, let's talk a little bit more about, for example, um, other ways that as agents are preparing their tax returns this year, small business owners in general, this is more of a mechanics question, but again, something they should all be considering. What are some other things that maybe a, 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 an entrepreneur or a real estate professional might be overlooking? Uh, well, it's it's definitely good to be an S-corp if you're in real estate because you pay less taxes that way. Some people don't. I, I have found, I'm sorry to stereotype here, but this is pretty common. When people are in real estate or uh, multi-level marketing, something that is sales-driven, they tend to not want to spend the extra time, um, most of them, on setting up the proper LLC, making sure that you do your payroll right. Those are the boring things. But your CPA can handle all of that stuff for you, and you'll save a minimum of probably 10000 in taxes, especially if you're making 100 k or more. Um, you just pay a lot more taxes if you're not an S-Corp. It's one of the few things that the IRS still has that really gives you a huge tax benefit. And the extra work involved just isn't that expensive. 
Well, so that's worth getting into the weeds a little bit so we can help folks understand that. By the way, I just confirmed it is Section 469. I, uh, I uh, chatted our CFO, so it is IRS Section 469. If you guys uh, are not using that, you know, talk with your CPA about that and seriously consider doing it. And chances are if you're doing your own taxes, you're not using that um, if you have rental properties. So investigate that. There's a lot on the Internet about it. Read about it yourself. Um, yeah, real so quick on that, too. I had somebody come to me from another CPA, and they got audited. They were absolutely, without question, actively involved, and the CPA didn't even want to go there with the IRS and had this guy owing a lot of money, so I took him through the audit, and we totally won. And then, of course, we filed the next year, and he got audited again, and we won again. So just don't be afraid of an audit. If you know that you are actively involved, you need to take that deduction. And I'm just scanning now. There are some very specific rules. You, you must perform more than 750 hours of service during the tax year in real estate property trades or businesses for which you are materially participate. This minimum hour requirement prevents a retirement. Okay, you guys get the idea. So re research this yourself. It could be a huge tax savings for you. I mean, we can talk about the other things that normal business owners need to con be considering, home office deductions, auto deductions, travel expenses, and all that stuff. But let's, we won't waste much time with that because really you guys can get that information. It's become somewhat ubiquitous. So let's drill down on the LLC versus the sub-S thing, because that's something that our industry on a whole still does not get. And the bottom line is, Holly, is a sub-S is a smarter form of incorporation for most of our listeners because... Well, first of all, you could have less. You just have to have less than 100 partners, and most people just have themselves or one other partner, so it's, it's easy. And because the biggest thing before we run out of time is that you are paying 15.3% Social Security tax on your, all of your net income on your personal tax return, okay? So that means that you're paying tax to the IRS of 15%, 28%, 35%, whatever rate you're in, and on top of that, you're paying an extra 15.3% that goes straight to the Social Security system and you never see it again. If you're an S-Corp, you actually pay yourself a paycheck. So most of you probably haven't gotten a paycheck from anybody for a long time. But if let's just say my simple, I'm going to give you a simple example. You netted out $100,000, you pay yourself $30,000 as a paycheck, and you pay the 15.3% Social Security tax on that. That's about $4,500 versus if you were not an S-Corp, you would have paid closer to $10,000, or actually $15,000. So if you're making $100,000, you're going to save $10,000 right off the top by being an S-Corp. But let me make this point. If you are flipping properties, it needs to be in a partnership. Partnerships are um, the only way to go for flipping partner, for, for uh, real estate because of the nature of real estate. You shouldn't be paying those the Social Security tax on real estate anyway. So a lot of people set up an escort for their realtor business, and then for flipping properties or rental properties, they do the partnership. And I have extensive information of that on my website and an entrepreneur boot camp that covers massive amounts of real estate and how to set up your LLC and get the loans that you need. It's very comprehensive. And I know we're dealing with a hard deadline because you have actually have another radio interview right after this. So I'll give you the last remaining minutes to you. I, you know what? I think we delivered some good content in the limited amount of time we had. I hopefully they'll they'll run with this. And we gave you guys, listeners, we gave you some higher level information. Do remember what she said about the S corp versus the LLC. 
uh, you know, most of you have LLCs. If you're not sole proprietors, listen to what she said because she was just she just gave you an easy way to save tens of thousands of dollars just this year, most of you, in taxes, let alone for the next you know decade or so. And it's not that difficult to set up. I mean, I would like to have talked about trusts and Spendthrift trusts and states of incorporation, and maybe we can do that on another radio show. But anything else you'd like to say to everyone before we round the bend today, so you can get on your next interview, Holly? Yes, I want to stress, and I cannot stress this enough, every single year two people come into my office and they're best friends and they love each other and they want to go into a real estate deal, and every single year those two people hate each other's guts and they won't even come and meet with me at the same time because they can't even stand to be in the same room. And it is always because of the way money is allocated. Money is the number one reason for divorce and it is the number one reason for partnerships going belly up. So you have to do contracts. I don't care how well you know your friend, here it is, because it's usually somebody close. You need to do contracts as if you did not know each other, and you need to look each other in the eyes and express what you feel each person's role is, because that is where the miscommunication takes place, especially if someone's financing and the other one is doing the hard labor. The person doing the labor always feels screwed, and that's where it starts every single time. We cannot do better than that. And so on that note, guys, <laughs> uh, if you, if Holly, if they, want to, if they want to check you out online, what's your website? It's themoneytherapist.com, and there's my contact information. And like I said, there's lots of free videos, and there's a couple of paid videos, um, all kinds of good stuff. I'm setting up a membership that's only going to be about 10 bucks a month so that lots of people will be involved, and then we could have like, monthly calls. That's my plan. So it let me know about, take let, me in a few weeks. Well, let me know about that, and we'll uh, maybe uh, work out something for all of our coaching clients to get uh, maybe a trial membership for like a month or something, and maybe that will be a good way for you to build your list as well. So just let me know when you've got yeah. that up and running. In the meantime, awesome. Holly, thank, thank you for uh, making a great uh, contribution for all the entrepreneurs out there, in this case, real estate folks, and thanks very much for your energy and enthusiasm and demystifying what really is a very, you know, kind of boring topic. <laughs> someone who can bring <laughs> energy. Somebody who can Someone who can bring energy and enthusiasm to financial conversations is something our country certainly needs right now. So on behalf of my exactly. listeners, thank you, very, thank you very much for being my co-host. And listeners, we'll talk with you on the radio tomorrow. Thanks, Holly. You bet. Have a great day. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.